Hey y'all, Alex Barinka here, head of external affairs at Vera Shop and host of Finding Inspo, the first shoppable podcast where I sit down with some of the biggest names in style and design to chat about how they turned inspiration into successful businesses. Each week, my guests and I curate the Finding Inspo shop at verashop.com slash inspo with the products that emerge from their personal stories. I've known about the establishments created by today's guest for half a decade, since back when I was a downtown gal living in New York City. If you haven't been to Blind Barber, let me tell y'all, it's the coolest concept. Walk in through the front door and you're in a slick, fully operational barbershop, but head on through the door in the back and you'll be welcomed into a bar that serves a mean Negroni. What I didn't know was the man behind the concept. Jeff Laub came up with the idea when he was fresh out of college. Since then, they've opened their speakeasies across the nation and created a line of products that they sell in stores and on their shop. But Jeff's career didn't start out as a smashing success. Not only did he live at home for a time after college, but he was also a beauty school dropout. I'll let him tell the story. So take us back. So you were not always in the business of bar and barbershop combo. I was not. Where did you start? What did you want to be when you grew up? I think in my, I was pre-programmed to think that I should find one of those typical paths, right? When you're going through school, it's like, oh, you're, you're fairly argumentative and you can do some good schoolwork. You should probably be a lawyer. And it's like, oh, I should be a lawyer. And that makes some money. And then you get a house and then you get a dog, that kind of stuff, right? And I think I followed that path. I, I was never one of those kids, from what I remember, being like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut or a, a soccer player. It was always something like realistic to like get it situated and get going. With that said, I really didn't put much work into becoming a lawyer. Um, I kind of just thought it was going to happen. I, I just thought, you know, do well, go to law school, come out, become a lawyer, that kind of thing doesn't work that way, which we'll probably get into a little bit later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, after high school, I enrolled into NYU. It was the only school I applied to. I wanted to go to New York City. That was the only thing that mattered at that time. And luckily for me, I, I got in and met a group of friends now that are still my friends and have been probably the most inspirational and like biggest biggest piece to where I am today and who I've become. And New York was a very, will be a very important city in the course of your life. Do you remember back then what your perception was of NYC when you were heading uh, out it, to college? I mean, it was, it was exciting. It was adventurous. It was overwhelming. And it was, it felt liberating. It felt like a place where I could finally dive into all of the, the questions that I had about myself, my interests, uh, passions that I didn't know, you know, it was just this whole new ex exploration of, of both a, a place that was completely different than where I'd grown up. I'd never really been to New York maybe one time prior to uh, going to NYU. Um, so it was this wild new, like, place that just didn't resemble anything that I was used to. And in the same way, it, it opened up my eyes to a whole new way of living and, and thoughts and, and cultures and viewpoints from other people. And, and it, it just opened up 
everything in me. But at the time, pragmatic young Jeff wanted to join the ranks of yeah, the legal. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, okay, now I'm here and this is all exciting. There's so much wild shit happening around me. But NYU is expensive. Got to make sure dad's happy with his investment in me and, and, and myself, right? It's like, okay, let's, let's get this stuff going. Like you're here. Let's make it work. Did well enough graduated and I was like all right this is great so let's let's uh let's go on to law school now and you took the LSATs you have to study for those apparently didn't I thought if then statements and whatnot were were going to be pretty pretty standard and something that I would just grasp easily and they're not I didn't do great so I was like all right well I'll start studying for this and didn't again and took it again I think I took it a total of like seven times because I was like why am I not doing this you're nothing if not persistent yeah for sure I was like at some point I'm gonna get lucky here you know like the rest of the things in my life that seemed to happen um and after a couple of times I was like well shit I'm not going to law school at this exact moment I definitely can't afford to stay here so back to New Jersey I went and not only back to New Jersey, but back to my mom's couch because my room had been slightly converted to a guest room. Uh, and that was a big knock on my ego and kind of everything. It was a real it was a real moment of like, shit, like what is happening? Isn't it crazy too in those moments, especially when you're young, you literally feel like the world is over. Over. It was over. I was pretty much laid up in the fetal position on my mom's couch watching general hospital with her um so how long were you on the couch watching uh, the soaps i think it was close to eight six months seven months something like that feverishly applying to so what it, what had happened is that i talked to one of my buddies uh who did <clears throat> took a, a a better course of action and became a paralegal at a really reputable firm uh, and he was doing really well there and i was like bro like anything you can do to get me back to New York, please bring my resume in there. And he did. Um, He took my resume, took it to HR, and I kid you not, it was like her last week there, but they had become friends, and apparently she said something along the lines of, you know, is this guy good? Like, can you vouch for him? He's like, yes. So she brought me up for an interview. You have to do a round of interviews. So I did those round of interviews. This was, I think this was like December 26th, second or first finished the interviews I got a call the next day and they're like we would love to have you and I was like they were like when can you start I said December 26th I packed up my car right after Christmas I went to my buddy's place I stayed on his couch I stayed on another friend's couch until like a week or two of work went by I had a paycheck got an apartment and I actually shared well technically I shared an, a room in an apartment in Williamsburg with my best friend, Vinny, who's also our director of sales now, our feet could touch, like, <laughs> like the corners of our beds. And we didn't have a door on our bed. And we both had girlfriends. This was the hustle very, I was living. Very close quarters. So a little bit of couch surfing, a little bit of luck, and a lot of relationship my levers f- being pulled. Again, my friends are the pillars upon which I, I kind of like stand on and survive you know like they they are the ones that like keep me moving forward for sure and hopefully it becomes reciprocated right in some form or another but Vinny definitely saved me and we I was there for I think it was over a year 
which was interesting as like a grown, you know, a grown up working you at a, you're grown up. I mean, I was, I was an adult for sure. I mean, you know, paychecks and like health insurance, like that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, at the law firm three months in, I was like, well, this sucks. This is not, I don't want to be a lawyer. Please don't make me be a lawyer, please. But on the flip side, I was like, well, now what, what do I do? Like, I'm not going back to school. How long did you stay in that job? Three and a half years. Oh, wow. So, so factor of, what, 10? Uh, My math is not too great. Not enough coffee this morning. I can't do math either. So, which was also presented, prevented the, uh, presented the problem of figuring out what the next, the next course of action would be for me. You know, when it did register that it wasn't going to be my path, I dove back into what had I done, right? And really, besides being a paralegal, the only other two jobs that I ever had steady jobs was a pizza delivery guy my favorite job of all time why I had the best the best boss and he's uh, to this day a mentor of mine uh, this guy Tony Mioni he uh, he ran Angelo's Pizza he gave me my first job delivering pizzas I think even I was like riding around with someone who had a license like he was just helping me out and just his everyone knows Tony and I, I found that to be one, like, something I wanted. I, I liked the idea of that everyone walked in not only to get a piece of, like, pizza that he made, but also to say hi to him. They, he made them feel good. Like, he, it was always exciting to see that. Like, they were proud to be his friend, and he was stoked that they wanted to come see him. That, to me, was one of the elements that I took with me in building this business is that be connected, you know, care about the people that are walking in, find out who they are. Who knows? Maybe they're going to become a friend. Maybe they'll become more than more than that uh maybe a business partner which actually happened uh and and so that job and then and then just the the excitement of rolling up to a house and meeting someone brand new and delivering a little slice of happiness right who doesn't love pizza <laughs> it was, it was Tony fun. Mione from Angelo's definitely loves pizza and I'm curious because I think a lot of folks do go through their lives and they they don't actually recognize or perceive those moments or those things that really impact them and that they really do love or the bits about the things that they're doing that they love and they miss out or 20 years later they're like if only I would have known that a decade ago yeah did you really recognize that at the time how at what point did it click for you and be like oh my god pizza delivery that's a job I might not want to tell this new girl I'm dating but now you see it's been this big formative uh, factor in your life totally um it was it was I think it was in once Blind Barber had launched and like a couple you know talking to people about the business how it got started and recognizing these moments right it was like when I had to go back through my mind as to how I got here and then I started you know I also I think as I got older became a little more introspective it was you know going back in and then asking myself why those jobs seemed to impact me why did they make me feel so good and as I got older I became a little more of a hippie too you know so at the time you were knowing you weren't loving paralegal yeah jobs you were reflecting on your your pizza delivery job what else what's next and the other job that I had was working the front desk at a salon uh, my mom was a manager at a salon in in Cherry Hill, and from time to time, I would work the front desk there, uh, managing like the flow of the salon, making sure people knew appointments were there, checking them in, making sure the guest was 
comfy robe, tea, coffee, glass of wine. And then that, tra- that actually, the love of that job actually then went to New York with me. And after my first year there, or like six months there at NYU, I uh, needed some cash. So I started bouncing around to different salons and getting haircuts and then asking them if they needed a front desk guy. And I ran into a celebrity stylist named Jason, well, colorist Jason Bakke. And his husband, Ted Gibson, were opening a salon in the Flatiron District. And they were like, we're opening. You sound like you have enough experience. We'd love for you to help, you know, be a part of the opening staff. And I was stoked. I was super gracious. And I got to see it. I was literally there as they were setting up, like, and building out the rest, like, the the last phases. Opened it. Celebrated their one-year anniversary with them. And then watched them launch a product line or a product or two. And again, unknowingly, just seeing all this stuff, collecting it, being a part of the way that this higher caliber of salon, similar to where my mom worked, that they're, they're pretty in line with the way they approach their, their services and business, just collecting all this information without really knowing it. And eventually school got a little harder as I got to my junior and senior year, so I took a break from working and focused on getting good grades in school as best I could. And yeah, so those were the two two jobs. And, and so I was reflecting on this. And I was like, oh, you know, if I'm not going to be a lawyer, maybe I'll become a stylist. I have all these connections with the Aveda Network. I, I have Ted Gibson, who was a, an amazing boss and mentor to me. Um, I was like, I'll give it a shot. And you can make good money doing it. I like that whole atmosphere. I love getting haircuts and kind of just you know, relaxing for an hour, why not provide that same service? So I think this was like at least two years into being a paralegal or a legal assistant. I enrolled in Aveda Cosmetology School on Spring Street and worked at the law firm from 9 to 5 and then went to school from 5 to 10 every day. And the way school's broken up there is they do all the the book work. So it's like health codes and just like typical textbook stuff did really well on that easy piece of cake then you get into like the hands-on stuff and the first day was like sectioning hair which was not easy for me I don't understand how anyone does their own hair it was I threw a little temper tantrum and I was like this is not this sucks like I'm never gonna be good at this I had like I remember going back to my a new apartment at that time and setting up those like mannequin heads Uh and my roommates walking in be like what what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Why are all these headless things here? And I'm just there, like, you know, out of the shower, blow drying some hair. And they're like, I have no idea what's going on. That but you took in the shower with you. Yeah, but like, to get be- it wet. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Best of luck, Jeff. And then the second course that happened was I had to wash hair. And when I put my hands in someone random's hair, I realized that at that moment that I was never going to be a stylist. It was the grossest thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I, luckily, that came at a moment when we were breaking for a week break. So I took a week vacation from work, went down to the Jersey Shore, where my family got a house every year. But before we get to the beach, I have to dig into this moment. Because you're there. You're washing some lady's hair. Yes. Who's in there. She she had wonderful hair. Great. It had nothing to do with, like, Giselle hair. It was great. The most amazing head of hair you've ever seen. And you had spent, how long was the book work at? at? It's a couple months. I think it's a nine-month program if you're full-time. And I was, but I was part-time. So it was a year and a half. So I think it was, like, 
like three to six months, something like that. So like I block out moments. Yeah, like a like a fifth of your life post college. Yeah. You'd spent working toward this thing, and then you have this epiphany with your hands in in some lady's hair. How, like how did that feel? You thought you had your life on track once. You figured out another path you wanted to take. And then, you know, you're having a visceral reaction to the thing that you feel like you want to do for the rest of your life. Pure panic. Pure panic mode. I'm like, so that's it. Life's over. This is it. I'm going back to Jersey and I'm going to, I don't know, play video games or something. That's going to be my life. And then enter the beach. Yeah. So luckily I went down to the beach and my whole family was there. So mom, dad, sister, a couple friends, and then my grandparents. Um, And my grandfather was a serial entrepreneur. Super cool. I had no idea I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It's just someone who I thought was the coolest, just doing the damn thing. And so we're sitting outside. I'm like, pop up. I need a pep talk here. Like, how am I going to get through this? I can't see myself. Like, I was like, this is good hair. You know, I was in some really nice hair and it didn't feel right. Like, there's going to be moments where, like, that person just finished their, their hot yoga session and I'm going to have to dig in and I'm not going to be able to do it. I was like, do you think I should continue this path with being a hairstylist and he was like oh Jeffrey I loved my barber shop he was like I, I think it's great he was like you know what's better you go you get a haircut you talk about your dates uh, maybe sip a beer play some cards hang out and I was like oh and I was like light bulb it was literally a cartoon moment I was like I don't care about cutting hair as much I was like there I cared about the atmosphere and then it went back to the same thing with like Tony right he's like I cared about the atmosphere I never I don't know how to make a pizza it was one of those, I was like, shit, like, I want to create that moment where someone walks in, doesn't feel like themselves, sits down, someone greets them, do you want a beer, do you want a, do you want a coffee, okay, sit down, tell all your secrets to this person who's going to then, after a half hour, have you looking in the mirror and being like, oh, there I am, and then you go out, and now you have the confidence to go do whatever the hell you want to do. I wanted to be someone who provided that, that environment, that, that atmosphere, and that feeling for someone, for my friends. And mind you, this was like, so, so this was also now 10 years, 10, 11 years ago. So if you were a guy and you wanted to get a haircut or a skincare, you were a metrosexual. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it was like, I like. How dare you groom yourself? Yeah, exactly. It's like, should I not shower? Like, is that not what I, I shouldn't do that? If I want to be called a guy, like. No, I want to smell nice. I want to. I like this stuff. I want to get a haircut every couple of weeks, and you know, feel good about myself, and not be anything but a guy. That's it. Just want to be a human being. No problem. So went back, quit Aveda, dropped out. I'm Frenchie from Greece. <laughs> I am. I'm a beauty uh, the school. The beauty school dropout. Yep, that's me. I am. I am her. And I obviously was still at the law firm, and I, I told you it gets re- pretty repetitive, so I got pretty good at my job. So I'd finish a lot of my tasks within a couple of, maybe an hour or two. And then I uh, spent a lot of time looking up how to write a business plan. And there is this wonderful resource called businessplans.com, a uh, really reputable site. <laughs> We've I, all heard of it. That I, that I highly <laughs> recommend, where you can type in any type of business plan, and they just spit one out for you. So I copy and pasted those, replaced bracket salon name with uh, the name that we now have that I came up with as we were, uh, the, as I was first conceptualizing this. Cold called a bunch of people um, in both industries. Luckily, I had the salon uh, contacts. Um, 
to like reach out and get some numbers and plug them in, even though none of them actually were accurate for, for what we were doing. They were accurate for them, but I didn't know how to put a business plan together. Like I said, I can't even read an Excel sheet. But I, I did put all the fluff pieces in there to get people excited, uh, you know, partners and investors. And then I Googled bar plan, and then I cold called a bunch of my favorite bars. One of them actually sent me financials, and I put it together to make it look legit. And then one of the transformative things that I did is I changed the way I was talking about things. Um, I don't know if I did it, if I had read something or if this just happened organically, but I remember doing it where someone would say, you you know, essentially like, so what's next? And I'd be like, oh, I'm opening this bar and barbershop. And they're like, oh, well, that's cool. You, you can do that? And I was like, yeah, you can do that. And I had looked into it. You can. Um, one of the, the perks of being at a law firm is you have friends who can help you find these things out. And as long as they're, when I was looking it up about, because my grandfather mentioned like drinking a beer, I was like, oh, that'd be cool to have both. So as long as you have a separation between the two entities, the, the, the salon or barbershop and the, the bar or where the food or drink is being prepared, no qualms, no, no issues there. So I was like, shit, let's, let's do it. And it didn't exist. It, it, like, it didn't exist in New York City like that. So I think when I started changing the way I talked about it, people were like, oh, even if they couldn't help me, they were like, you should talk to this person. And I just kept following those breadcrumbs all the way until I got to my now business partner, Josh Boyd, who was like the best F&B guy in the East Village. He, he had all the spots. He was the guy. And uh, he was running a place called Ella gallery bar and plan b and plan b was where which is now where we first opened blind barber he was looking to sell it so i approached him with uh my business plan and i had like all these i had a logo mocked up blind barber um the name was all formulated or you know came up with that do you remember that first meeting of course i do like walk me through that day okay so my ex-girlfriend put us in touch and we sat down and he, well, I sat down, he sat down for a second, then got back up and walked around, got back, sat back down and not nerve wracking at all. It was so nerve wracking. <laughs> and I handed him the business plan. I was like, you're probably not going to read all of it. I mean, it was a stack, uh, not going to read all of this right now, but I have this idea. I'd love to, your bar is perfect for this space, like the layout. Um, would love to kind of see if you'd be interested in letting me take it over. And I, was, and I was like, read the business plan, let me know, and hopefully we can take that next step. And he was like, sure, 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 see you later. And I think it was like a day later, so he was like, I read the plan, I really like it. And I was like, cool, do you want to partner? Because I don't necessarily have any cash. <laughs> and he was <laughs> oh, like... Oh, by the way. Yeah, he was like, sick. And he was like, you know what? I met him at Ella. He was sitting at the bar, facing the bar, and he was like, come by to Ella. So I came by and, and he like looked over his shoulder and he was like, I think we should do this. He was like, you can run the barbershop. I was like, I can run the barbershop. And he was like, I can run the bar. He was like, well, t and then I was like, great. And I'll learn from you. And he was like, how much cash do you have? I was like, $0. I was like, but I'll get some. I was like, I'll, I'll figure something out. I was like, just all I ask is put me in, call up Blind Barber, and let's make sure people enter through the barbershop and we'll build something special here. And he like kind of leaned over shook my hand and the next day we met up at 
uh, an apartment with uh, an architect and, and our other business partner, Adam Kirsch, who was like someone who was working for Josh at his bars uh, as an op- uh, like an operations guy. And the three of us kind of just high five. We walked into his bar and like started laying stuff out and knocking walls down and with our own sledgehammers. And that was it. And, and like 48 hours earlier, you just had a stack of paper businessplan.com, you know, augmented papers and 100%. Two days later you're knocking walls down in your new bar. Yeah. That is exactly what happened. And and then I, you know, I reached out to my family, I reached out to a couple lawyers who gave me a couple bones. Um, I reached out to my dad's boss. He had retired since and I hit him up. I was like, "Do you remember what it means to be me?" And he was like, "I have no idea who you are." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I'm my dad works for you. I've been at your corporate parties before. Can I have $500,000? And he was like, click. And then he sent me 5000 in the mail, which was cool. And so I showed up to Josh with, you know, a little chunk of change. I was like, see? And it was, for me, like, we didn't, because the bar was already his, and, like, he had been through so many rounds, like, of financing to get his bars up and running that it wasn't necessarily needed. It was just more me showing, like, I'm going to do everything I say I'm going to do to the best of my ability. And I think it was a, a strong testament to that. And then we opened up the doors. And when we opened up the doors, that was it. It was game on. I mean, we, besides having a really strong concept and an amazing team of partners who really cared about the community, seriously, the community. Josh is a man of the community. Adam is grew up in New York, had all of his friends were coming, just really good guys together. And then me coming on board and learning from them. Uh things took off and we had the cover of the New York Times online for three hours we had we had Eater write an article about us Eater wrote an article about how many times the New York Times wrote about us and they're like does anyone at the New York Times do any fact checking or talk to one another because you guys wrote about this place four times in the past week in four different sections and it was just really cool we we everyone wanted to check it out and it was a really humbling and cool experience to see like something that was on paper come to life and now people really liked it. And and so when I was in New York, I lived in the East Village right around the corner. I told you I definitely had waited in line for to get into the Blind Barber right near Thompson Square Park. Across the street. Across the street. Um, talk me through that first location because it does seem like community does mean a lot and and your partners knew that. What was it about that first location that you can still go yeah. check out right Still now. Still running. Um, what, what was it about that first location and where it sat in New York and, and how it kind of embodied that New York City spirit that, that helped it take off so well? I mean, Josh had that space prior. And again, Josh and Adam are both like just dudes of the community. Like everyone knows them. Everyone loves them. And I think that space was, I, I you'd have to ask Josh why he originally got it, but Tompkins Square Park is magical. I mean, Everything is happening there from kids playing basketball to the people doing the lifts on the bars to people just playing chess and, you know, every walking dogs, the dog park, it it was there. And then next to us is a pizza shop. On the other side of us is a coffee shop. It has that just that thing about it that you it is what you think a New York City street feels like sitting on the bench everyone knows you driving by you know like I said all those things are just happening right in front of you and then there's this beautiful park across the street um and when we were developing when we were deciding on this concept together or or had agreed on this concept together 
that space seem perfect because at the core of it, at the core of Blind Barber, this brand that we've now kind of built up to be a brand um, that shares a name across you know a couple cities and product and stuff, at the core of it, it's a bar and it's a barbershop. And a bar and a barbershop should be a part of a neighborhood. That's it. And I think that's what made that place so special is that it never felt it, it just felt like it was it had always been there um, any all of our spaces none of them have the name on it and it's not because we don't we're not trying to brand it or anything is that we feel as though the neighborhoods and the people would be more receptive to this concept if it actually does feel like a neighborhood barbershop that their kids can grow up in like they come year after year after year same with the bar and we we find that like we have regulars and I've watched kids get haircuts who have now grown up with us for the past eight years so that's why I think that first location was so magical is because that neighborhood granted us that, that opportunity to be a neighborhood barbershop and to build the brand upon that idea of that it is about community. We weren't faking it. It was literally in the hub of what I considered New York City. That was my New York City. And we got to interact with everyone and anyone. And from there, that, that was our brand. Not the logo, not the, the colors, not the fonts. That, that feeling of bringing people in and being a part of what's happening in their lives as well as them bringing their lives into our chairs and sharing those moments. And then that's what you feel when you step inside any of the blind barbers. Let's take a quick break from my chat with blind barber co-founder Jeff Laub. I wanted to remind you that like every Finding Inspo episode, this one is also shoppable. Jeff and I have curated items from our conversation and a few others that are inspiring us lately for the special Finding Inspo store on Vera Shop. Next to each product, we'll also tell you why we're loving it. We're about to get specific about how Jeff kept expanding the blind barber empire and why he wanted his customers to be able to take a bit of the barbershop experience home with them. You can shop all the products we're about to talk about at verashop.com slash inspo, where you'll always get free one-day shipping and free returns. And just for my Finding Inspo listeners, new Verashop customers can take 20% off their first purchase with the code INSPOJL. Now, let's get back to Jeff's story. You didn't stay in New York. You're no. at how many locations now? We are at... So we have three... Three blind barbers in New York, two, five. Uh, Enough six, that you have to seven. count. Well, me, I have to yeah. count. It, it, <laughs> if it go, if it, I have to use my fingers. <laughs> I'm literally using I wasn't going to spoil that for folks who yeah, are sitting I'm here. I'm like but. Six, seven plus two. Um, yeah, we have eight and then we have a nine. No, seven and we have an eighth opening uh, in Philly in early December. And, and neighborhood does mean different for every location. I think I was in New York for almost six years. New York is this magical place where I kind of think <clears throat> because everyone's so ambitious and everyone's also sort of trying to get by, even if you're really successful, but also you're living on top of each other, you're kind of forced into this, uh, this situation where everyone's lives are going to overlap. When you come out to, uh, what was LA, your second location? Yeah. LA is very different. You know, I, again, I've been here now for 10 months. It's a, it's a commuter city. Everyone's driving, but there is a neighborhood feel. Talk me through how you found community, how you found neighborhood in this second location. How did that come about? You say hello to people. That's, I mean, I've never been shy. I mean, when we were building the Culver City location, I would stand out front and as people would walk by, I would just invite them in. 
pure construction, like disaster zone. I'm like, do you want to see what we're building? I'm Jeff. What's your name? Come back. Love to treat you to a drink. And I'd meet up with them, no matter who they were. Um, all of us would. I mean, that's how all of us operate, um, including our new partner, Matt, who, well, not new now. He's He came on board two years in. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's like any way you build community. It's just be nice to people and find out what they're into. I want to know what they're into. I'm not going to talk about myself. I'm going to hear what they have to and see if there's any, you know, what synergies we share, what things I can learn. Maybe that was some of the benefit of pursuing law and being a history major is I was curious about, you know, digging into, like, what what they had done, what what they were interested in and seeing how, you know, how that shaped them and what they could, you know, what we could give each other in terms of a relationship. And so we built, that's how we built it, saying hello. It's a really simple task. And not to get not too... Coupons, yeah. Not coupons, not not membership, it's high. I don't want to make light of the fact that it, it's hard to do what you all have done. And there must have been times or moments where you thought, oh my God, what are we doing? Um, yeah. when, when did those kind of hit? What were the kind of biggest things that, that you maybe thought twice about it? Because frankly, every great Yesterday, entrepreneur has those. <laughs> Yesterday? I mean, it's the life of an entrepreneur, right? Is I'm either on the, the highest of highs, just high five and everyone, this is the greatest, like, or I'm in the fetal position shaking and crying. Um, just letting it all out it's a because it's all everything affects at the end of the day affects me and it affects the employees that we have working who are my friends um and then tangentially it it affects our loved ones you know this is our livelihood this is you know we sink with the ship the kind of thing we're the cat right we fail a lot right and i don't mean that in the sense that we don't know what we're doing it's like we now take the risks and understand that things may not go according to plan but be be cognizant and be quick to fix them and you're going to end up better and be resilient we're resilient you know it's like we we don't quit um and and i think that's one of the things that we rely on is we're 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 confident we'll be one of the last standing so you have the the locations you have the physical barbershop bar Mm -hmm. combination you come in through the barbershop almost speakeasy style in the back there's the bar you now have product line as well yep when did that come about that was like two years in and my friends were all doing super cool things like one of my buddies was making shoes and sneakers he had his own line he did a pop-up shop another buddy of mine was making all of these dope videos and like really like exploding on tumblr when that was that was the jam right rest in peace <laughs> i know right i think are they making a comeback something like uh, that we'll see yeah um, and I was like, well, this is cool. Like there's, let's, I want to, you know, let's drink a beer and figure out what cool shit to make. And, you know, I don't want to sell short. I think we do things incredibly unique, but at the core of it, it's a haircut and a beer. So it's not like we were doing anything revolutionary, right? Like we're not sending people to space. And I was like, but they still want to be a part. So how do I, how do I make them feel part of our community, a part of our brand and feel great about themselves when they can't sit in the chair with me? product line here's your here's your ticket in here's here's your your entrance to the club not not the physical club but like the blind barber club and us to get to know each other a little bit more is create a dialogue and so we had a candle we had this attitude of like let's 
let's get creative and make some stuff. And then I had a really good friend who had gone through the process before. So I hit him up and I was like, hey, how do you make a product? And he was like, you should talk to this lab. And we put together some money from couch cushions and launched with four products, uh, a pomade, the 90 proof pomade, 60 proof wax, our water mint gin shave cream, and RIP, our water mint gin aftershave, which is which has transitioned into a daily face moisturizer. I put those into a suitcase and walked around New York City, <laughs> went to the new London pharmacy, went to CO Bigelow and asked to have meetings and set up meetings with, with my colleague and pitched them and they picked it up, four SKUs. And then we were approached and worked with a sales agency who had some relationships with like Barney's and Mr. Porter. And we still only had four SKUs in this candle and they, they, liked it they liked the story so here was this little brand with two shops and four products total didn't realize didn't think about shelf space didn't think about any of that stuff and I was like we were selling on Barney's and Mr. Porter and it was kind of you know it was like a real testament to like this this is working this is this is working people even though it's again like in a sea of sameness like there's a million pomade brands out there there's a million shave cream brands there's a million bars and barbershops we were doing something innately that was unique and I it was just our attitude and I think that was really resonating with people and like it then gave them the confidence to talk about the product and and to have confidence for it to be on their shelf and I cannot overstate enough how much I'm hearing that the hustle that you all put into it the actual literal shoe leather on the pavement getting out there in front of people not hiding behind an email not just you know shooting off text messages and tweets or whatever actually getting in front of people that is something that I feel like you cannot underestimate the power of and it seems like every step of the way for you you have been able to both put yourself out there and ask for help which is another you know thing that a little a little too much hubris and you might never get the help you want because you never ask for it takes a village and this was my baby right and that's like it takes a village to raise a baby and I'm even recognizing that with my own son who's two years old now is like I don't know everything I do need help what should I do so you've you've accumulated all of this this help this guidance your fervor for getting to where you want to be you come out with four skews three still exist in their initial form one has evolved into the moisturizer uh you have more than just those four right now yes how did that how did the product line develop over time honestly it's like it's been kind of just like what what stuff do we like what do we want to see if we can make and it's that's legit it's kind of the same for the locations like we're not i don't want to make it sound like we're just you know shooting from the hip constantly we we have an approach and we have a system now but we're not so caught up in the 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 traditional way of doing things and again potentially to our downfall for to a degree but also i think it's lended itself to this authenticity that a lot of brands can't replicate is that we just make things we like whether they we know they're going to work or not we have a hand moisturizer and in truth things never fucking sold a thing it's not not one unit right but we love it and everyone that and it's been in the it was we developed it because we made it for our hotel partnership that we have with the Arlo Hotels where we just opened our Miami location and everyone was emailing us about this lotion that we created and we were like sick let's make a bunch of them and it's like and then no one ever bought one again right but it's like we'll get there we'll figure something out there's there's an ad campaign out there because it's a dope moisturizer my wife loves it I love it um 
but yeah, it's, it's kind of just, what do we like? What do we like? And then finding out where we can fit that in. Um, and I would guess, I would guess maybe the we is sort of the collective we too, because it seems like you are very in touch with your customers who you do see on, on a day to day, on your regular. So it's not just, you know, what is Jeff in his singular bubble like? Oh yeah, no, all of our, all of our product is, is like a group effort. So it's obviously the partners, we all talk about it, but then we have the best R&D uh, department on the planet. We have actual barbershops with actual clients with very, very, very talented and educated barbers who have used every product under the sun. And so when we're designed, when we come up with this idea or if they're like, you know what we should have is X, I obviously have the, the relationships and the, the, the working relationships with the lab and the, the stuff so I can get that stuff in motion. But then once the first samples arrive, the very first place that every single product we've ever made goes is right to our barbers. And then they test the product on their, their customers that they know the best. And nothing has hit the shelves until those barbers have given us a thumbs up and said, this is perfect. What would you suggest for guys as an easy gateway if they're just used to, you know, using whatever the same brand their mom ever gave them? What would you, what would the kind of first entry products into Blind Barber's assortment be that you would suggest to any dude? R90 Proof is my, is what I use currently. Um, I think it's one of the best paste pomades on the planet. The fragrance is amazing, um, which we did with intention because... Like I said, Blind Barber is all about love. So when you're nuzzling up, you want to have a good little <laughs> fragrance going in your hair. And then me, per- we're talking about me personally. Let's talk right? about you personally. Okay. Um, then it would be the shampoo body wash, the lemongrass tea fragrance uh, lemon, uh, shampoo body wash. Those two products are my two favorites. And then, again, it, it, we have an assortment of styling product. That's that's the cornerstone. We're a barbershop, so people associate hair with us. So any whatever you're using i would like it whether it's a cream or a surf spray give it a go with us i think we've nailed it i think we've kind of touched on the things that people didn't like and fixed them for the most part and the fragrances are always really good i just uh a little a little conditioner angel just uh (laughs) brought over some conditioner here It, it does smell amazing this is a lemongrass tea lemongrass is one of those scents that um, I, I'm a diffuser gal. I like different. I'm oh, a very cool. scent driven person. Incense, diffusers, all of it. In the morning, lemongrass is actually lemongrass citrus is is a mix that I put together. This conditioner is hitting me with that same kind of vibe. It's cool. like very happy, bright, like will wake you up. And I guess that's what the shampoo smells like, also. That is, ex- and it's funny. That's exactly. Again, I wrote a little story <laughs> about a guy who was like mowing his lawn in the morning and the fresh cut grass, and then a glass of iced tea. And like we we worked with our fragrance house to kind of like bring that to life. And the idea was that you are showering in the morning. We wanted you to wake up, right? Like like time to get time to time to make the donuts. And this isn't like cloyingly sweet either. It's no. like a very nice, subtle yes. kind of smell. Everything that we make is subtle. It should never overpower like the fragrance that you want to wear, but it should do something for you when it's being activated and used. And then in turn, if it does linger, it's going to be ever so subtle that someone gets lost in that detail. And and that's something important to us is like 
the details of the things we do. Nothing should overpower, but we want these little Easter eggs, these little de details for, for our customers and our friends to find because that's when they notice that we, we pay attention, you know? A night out at Blind Barber in Culver City really was some of the most fun I've had in the months I've lived here in LA. I was thrilled to hear we were bringing Blind Barber products on to Shop. Now, do me a favor. Before you move on to the rest of your day, please rate this podcast. Those three seconds make a huge difference in helping our show get out there. And if you really love what we're all about, share this episode on social. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alex Barinka and the show at Inspo Podcast. Don't forget to head on over to see both Jeff and my favorite products, including Blind Barber's line of grooming and hair care products at veroshop.com slash inspo. And just for my listeners, new Veroshop customers can take 20% off their first purchase with the code INSPOJL. This podcast was produced by me, Alex Barinka, with production and editing support from Wonder Media Network. Thank you so much for listening and see you soon.